From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome, welcome. Just want to uh, once again say hello to KROSAM 1340, Davenport, Iowa, the heartland of America, and um, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're very proud to welcome them, KROSAM 1340, as our new affiliate. That brings our total to uh, 10, not including the, the flagship station here, uh, AM 740 Zoomer Radio in Toronto. Uh, so we just hope that number continues to grow and grow and grow. And I know that there are a number of uh, uh, affiliates sort of pending uh, out there as well. And, and in the coming uh, days and weeks, hopefully, we'll be uh, welcoming even more new affiliates uh, to the Conspiracy Show family. But again, KROS AM 1340 Davenport, Iowa. Hello and welcome and thank you for uh, giving us a try. I think I've mentioned I've uh, I spent uh, my weekends, a large portion of them, at the uh, the Thornhill Community Center, which is about five minutes from where uh, I'm living. And uh, I take the boys there uh, for the public skate Saturdays and Sundays. And um, I had a wonderful uh, sort of moment, a Canadian moment today. Uh, the boys now, uh, they don't they no longer need their skating buddies, so they're sort of flying around the rink on their own. I'm just over the moon watching them. But there was an elderly man who I later learned was uh, came to this country from uh, Taiwan. And I would, I would estimate he was in his uh, early to mid-70s, but in pretty good shape. He was out on the ice, but, you know, grabbing hold of the boards, not wanting to, uh, to let go. And then every once in a while, he'd let go and, and try a few steps on the skates. He happened to be taking a break sitting in the uh, in the penalty box, and I was sitting beside him adjusting one of my little guy's helmets. So the gentleman, as in a very soft voice, said, excuse me, sir, he said, I, I couldn't help but notice, uh, you know, you're teaching your children to skate, and, and you're, you're pretty good on your skates and so forth. He said, could you teach me how to stop, <laughs> which is always a good thing to know, you know, when you're learning to skate. And so I, I, um, I went out there, and uh, I, I just... I'm not a great instructor, but and and when you've been doing things sort of naturally for, for you know I've been on skates probably 45 years, so I, best I could I tried to explain to him how to shift your weight and so forth and use the edge of your skates to stop and uh, I said you know but I I sort of cautioned him I said first you know you really need to go out and get a helmet and 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 so he was very appreciative, but I thought about it I said what a wonderful sort of quintessential Canadian moment uh, here I am a Canadian born on skates. This gentleman who just within the last five years had come to Canada from Taiwan, and here he is embracing the culture, trying to learn to skate at, at that age, you know, in his early 70s, asking me to help him to learn how to skate or to, you know, one aspect of skating. I just was very touched, and I never felt more Canadian, I think, in my entire life than I did this afternoon at the Thornhill Community Center. So whoever that gentleman was, I'm sure I'll run, him in, run into him again at the rink, and uh, I wish him good skating and good stopping. All right. This is something we talk about a lot uh, on the program uh, when we when we talk about UFOs and we talk about various aspects of the UFO phenomena. And one of them is the alien abduction phenomenon, which is very harrowing. And it's kind of, a, I think, one of the uglier, darker aspects of the UFO or ET phenomenon. And that is, of course, people who claim that they have been snatched from their beds and taken aboard some craft and probed and prodded. And, and sometimes uh, they're they're left scarred for life. Emotionally, they're traumatized, and who wouldn't be? Uh, those that remember it often under hypnosis and so forth. But 
One of the, the more chilling aspects of this is that although these claims are often made by adults, sometimes young children, young children report similar experiences. They report being abducted. And these child reports often feature very specific details that have a lot in common with reports of abductions made by adults, including the circumstances, the narrative, the entities, the aftermaths of the alleged uh, occurrences. And these young abductees, as it turns out, often have family members who have also reported having uh, abduction experiences. Uh, they also include family involvement in the military or a residence near a military base. It's also common amongst child abduction claimants. And as I started to to, uh, to read about these child abduction cases, I thought it was high time that we delved into this subject specifically. So we're going to talk about cradle robbers, alien abductions of children. And to uh, help us along with this, two members of the New York Strange Phenomena Investigators, NYSPI, they're headquartered in Manhattan, the scientific research group dedicated to the systematic investigation of UFO sightings, UFO abduction reports, and related extraordinary occurrences. Again, two of their members, uh, Oliver Von Kamensky and Jed Turnbull, join me on the line from Manhattan. Good evening to you both, or I should say good morning. Oliver, Jed, how are you? Hello there, Richard. Thank you for having me. And it was a, a great uh, meeting both of you uh, in New York this past fall at the New Yorker Hotel. Got a chance to sit down with both of you. Now, Oliver, you're the, the one of the founders of, uh, of NYSPI. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. NYSPI has been around for approximately six or seven years. Uh, uh, all of its members, well, four of its key members, were all members of uh, Bud Hopkins Intruders Foundation. And uh, the late Bud Hopkins, who recently passed away, uh, we basically organized, arranged a new, uh, the NYSPI group uh, to carry on his work and his research uh, and uh, fine-pointed a little bit more uh, towards the uh, various different various different phenomena related uh, to the abduction scenarios. And, Jed, you bring um, a very specialized skill set to this, this uh, the study of this phenomenon. You're a, a licensed psychotherapist. How do you right. em- employ that skill with regard to the alien abduction phenomenon? Well, that's a good question, Richard. Obviously, there are many adults that um, we now know of that are claiming to be uh, abducted by aliens. And what we've found in our research is that there's a very powerful intergenerational quality to the abduction phenomena. In other words, if it's happening to, for instance, an adult, it's very likely that their own parents have had some kind of an experience and, even more importantly and relevant to our conversation tonight, Richard, the children, their children uh, are more than likely having experiences as well. So, and that's my emphasis on that because obviously these can be very, very traumatic events. How do you find out about these child abduction cases? I throw this question out to either of you. Uh, I'm sure this is Oliver. Uh, for years and years, I was manning the front lines of the Intruders Foundation, and we would get emails and letters and correspondences from all around the world, telephone calls, people telling us that uh, they were having their missing time experiences and you know I would say the vast majority of these emails were 
you know, emails that uh, we wouldn't respond to uh, that we could automatically call out. I would say, you know, maybe 5% of those had the earmarks of cases that we found reasonable and credible, met very strong criteria of, uh, of credibility. And those are the ones that we started pursuing and carrying on the work of the Intruders Foundation through NISPY. We continue getting letters from all around the world from parents that uh, fear that their children are experiencing the same types of things that they were experiencing as they were children or that their parents had told them that they had experienced. So it's 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 usually uh, a generational phenomenon. So you're you're being contacted by parents who are concerned that it's happening to their children as it happened to them. Yes, that's correct, Richard. If I can chime in, this is Jed. Uh, parents, parents uh, are the primary people who will get a hold of us, and and um, out of uh, out of fear, not so much for themselves, but certainly for their children in the sense that they feel so helpless. They cannot prevent this from happening. They cannot defend their children from these from these experiences experiences that they themselves have have gone through and suffered through. So um, it's that sense of desperation, you know, and it kicks in all kinds of primal fears of child protection and, uh, you know, uh, these kind of things that, um, you know, come instinctively to us. And, we get we get a lot of that, but it's through, it's through the parents that we usually uh, find out about the children. Are you allowed to interview the children? Well, uh, that's a touchy matter uh, because anytime we work with children, uh, it can be it can be volatile. Uh, children inherently can be very defended about this, and that's that's not a bad thing because. Their defenses may make it into a playful thing. They may make this phenomenon into something that that they've been able to sort of deal with on a mental level, uh, concomitant with their age group. But when you start like probing a little too much or uncovering a little a little more than they may be ready for, then the realities of what might be happening to to them can be very very scary. And so it's a delicate issue, and for the most part, it's not a really good idea to to uh, you know go too far with children because of uh, all sorts of things. For example, one case that I've worked with, a parent parent of a nine year old girl came in and um, she had seen some images of aliens on television and it, it just brought back a bunch of memories of this child, uh, uh, a bunch of fears that she was having. All of a sudden, you know, typical. Typical uh, symptoms of post-traumatic stress came in, like you know, sleeplessness, inability to eat, uh, lowering of grades at school, you know, uh, suffering from interpersonal issues with her friends. And so it, it's very, very delicate. Um, you, you, you have to probe, probe things very carefully with children. Um, and you have to do that at all times with the permission of the parent, you know, as a guiding force here, because the parent really is most responsible for what may be happening to their child. So it's a concerted effort, and I, I just very much caution about going too far with children, even though all signs seem to point to the fact that what they say is happening to them is happening.
All right. Oliver von Kamensky and Jed Turnbull from uh, New York Strange Phenomena Investigators here on The Conspiracy Show as we discuss cradle robbers, aliens that abduct children. Back with more. Stay with us. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome back. Oliver Ron Kamensky and Jed Turnbull are with me from New York Strange Phenomena Investigators, Nye Spies, it's called, and we're talking about uh, alien abductions involving children. Now, one of the things that I've read, and uh, Oliver and Jed, you can uh, confirm or deny or disabuse me of this, but that, that with children, uh, because these abductions are happening in their, their formative years, uh, they tend to sort of absorb the experience, um, assimilate the experience, if you will, into their sort of developing worldview. So uh, just by virtue of being in that, in that formative stage of development. So it, it, uh, whereas, an, whereas an adult, they might initially doubt their sanity or their veracity of what they, they believe happened to them. Not so with the children. With children. They, they know for certain that it happened to them. Is that correct? Uh, I would say yes and no. Uh, largely, the letters that we get are, are, we never get letters from children, but we always get letters and emails and phone calls from frightened, frightened parents who want to protect their children. And their, their children report nosebleeds, uh, monsters, froze, they're frozen, unable to move, floating up off the beds, you know, lying on cold metal tables, being poked by needles, very frightened, Having seen little people with big scary eyes coming through the walls and through the through through the ceilings, sneaking you know sneaking and hiding into their into their brothers and sisters' room, curling up in a ball, hoping that these entities don't approach them, and then they're afraid to tell their parents what happened. So do they assimilate some of their things? Yes. Other things, they're just afraid to tell their parents that they're experiencing. What do you? Yeah, they're, they'll get mad. That's a good point, Ollie, and if I could just chime in here, Richard. Yes. Um, what you might be referring to is is a quality of deniability that children might have. They might, they may be tricked or, or for, for some psychological phenom- uh, um, uh, uh, defense mechanism may, may be in denial about what's really going on and see this as a playful event. And that's a very, as I said before, a very important Thing because underneath that is the reality that these these abductees, uh, uh, children or adults, are treated very much the same way in a very methodical, clinical, um, impersonal kind of a way, regardless of, of what of what the children may believe is happening to them. Children often will communicate if they don't want to talk about something. They'll often draw pictures. Um, have you seen? Illustrations or pictures drawn by these children uh, of of an alleged abduction 
or oh yes that's quite a number mm -hmm. in fact Jed could probably talk to this as well as I can you know uh, there's uh, we encourage play therapy or art therapy abstract methods of communicating with children because children uh, they need to act out their experiences because they can't always verbally uh, uh, verbalize what's occurred to them uh, with their limited vocabulary and experience so yes we've had a number of of uh, drawings usually with crayons or uh, or pen and pencil and they'll mm -hmm. draw what they see with their limited ability to draw Jed, do you agree yes i i do agree and and what's interesting about uh, some of the drawings is not only is it a is it a, a a much better medium for children to communicate and and relate what may be going on with them but there are distinctions that really Discern between the uh, what, what what they see and what they claim to be this this alien that comes in the night, so to speak, as as compared to other other things that they readily distinguish from uh, cartoon images uh, that they see on TV of, of ghosts or bears or uh, even even uh, skeleton heads, those kind of things. They they really can distinguish uh, very clearly. That, uh, what they mean when they are doing uh, drawings and creating things through artwork. So that's a, that's a very good way to kind of get at some of the some of the things that may be happening to them. Can you describe some of the depictions you've seen in the children's artwork? Uh, in my experience, they're very it, it, they're very similar to the ones in adult. Maybe a little, of course cruder. Uh, they they tend to be centered around uh, beans that have a palish uh, gray or white sort of uh, uh, skin, huge eyes. The eyes are, are always the, the focal point of any abduction, child or adult. Um, they tend to be, again, you know, three to four feet high. Um, and you can see that in the drawings. That comes through in the drawings because in, in the same drawing they will draw one of these one of these aliens in comparison to an adult in, in like for instance in one case there's a child that was co-abducted with their parents and they, they saw their parents being taken too and along with them and along with these these gray aliens and they could then draw the comparisons of the, the the height of their mother and the height of the alien and the height of themselves in this in this a piece of art, and you could readily see the the differences and the clearness of it. So, right. what, what you often, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, Jed. What you often see also are are very large, as you mentioned, very large eyes, and we see a lot of depictions of hands drawn. Clearly, hands with only four fingers as opposed to five fingers. Now, there'll be a picture yeah. of the child next to. Uh, this uh, monster that they've either imagined or they've experienced, and you know they'll clearly have five fingers, and the monsters will have three or four. So uh, it's consistent with reports that we get as well from what adults see. And I think, yeah, I agree, Ali. The, the key word is consistency. We we see the same thing over and over and over again. We don't see these alien uh, creatures, the beings. Um, depicted with ray guns, like you'd stack out of a sci-fi movie. You see them with, what, four fingers, you know, and, and that will be over and over again with children and or adults uh, that are unrelated to each other from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. 
this consistency over and over again. It's very clear. But you also sometimes get some uh, confusing images where uh, I guess a child will try to interpret something he doesn't quite understand. I had uh, this one ch- uh, parent that told me that his that his child would constantly complain about why he, why he would be pricked with things that looked like spines on on the on the alien's hands, um, and they would they would push into his chest and cause him to bleed. And uh, no, that's not saying that what he actually saw is what occurred, but that may be a screen memory, for instance, or something that he's interpreted as happening. How are these children affected? Uh, uh, I mean, how does this play out in terms of their their development? Uh, I don't know if you've done sort of not long-term studies, but have been able to track any of these children as they progress uh, into their adolescence and so forth. For example, do 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 alleged uh, abductees, children, uh, do they tend to do uh, poorly in school, or are there any any sort of red flags? That's that's a very very important question, Richard. Uh, ch- many children know that they've had strange experiences, and one of the first uh, first uh, uh, side effects of that is isolation. They know that their friends in the schoolyard have not had these kind of experiences. If they have been, uh, in a sense, foolish enough to to confide in some of their classmates, they, it's created ridicule and cruelty, and the AI have. Uh, one parent who had to change uh, her daughter from from a school because it got so bad, this kind of ridicule. Later in life, they, these feelings of isolation continue. They're afraid to tell anyone for fear of uh, you know losing their friends and, and even being ridiculed as an adult. When they get you know when they get older, they 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 wonder if they should ever have a boyfriend or girlfriend or any kind of relationship because eventually this is going to come up because it's been such a as such a traumatic part of their life. You know, they wonder if they should ever have children, get married and have children, because they're aware of the intergenerational phenomena of this of this, um, uh, of this happening uh, to their parents and so. And so they, 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 they hesitate whether they want to have children who, again, they will not be able to prevent it from happening to them. And so it, it has a very lasting effect that, ripples through their entire lives. I've talked to a number of alleged abductees over the years, and um, uh, either through uh, regression therapy or uh, other means, they were able to recall that as children, when they were uh, visited, uh, they talked. a lot of them talk about uh, balls of light and something they called psychic toys. Uh, has this ever come up in in your uh, investigations, where 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 children would see these balls of light in their room, and and uh, I don't know whether they were they were being used to develop their psychic abilities or a way of uh, the way, a, let's say, a physical ball helps develop coordination and athletic abilities. I've come across them in many cases that uh, I've researched, uh, but there's no clear explanation why these balls are used. There's assumptions, and the ones you've made are, are indeed assumptions, but nothing to clearly delineate what those balls might be. But yes, Richard, we have seen it. There is, and, and if I could add to that, there there is um, some consistent evidence that when these children are abducted, they've been put together in rooms with 
if, well, if you'll allow me, hybrid children or alien children. And toys are, are, are sometimes played with and exchanged, and it's almost like there's this reciprocal kind of learning process. And the kind of light balls and, and uh, levitating balls that you're referring to have been reported consistently in those kind of experiences when these, ch- these children from apparently two universes uh, have been brought together. Do any of these children uh, display um, abilities uh, that might be attributed to the abduction experience, whether uh, heightened psychic ability or uh, telekinesis or any of these sorts of things? Te- uh, temporarily. Uh, and that's, that's true with adults, too. But they, those, those kind of abilities tend to sort of fade out as a, uh, uh, over a period of days or weeks. But, but uh, there is, there is uh, some, some evidence to that effect that they, that they have some kind of, um, they have some kind of opening or some kind of, some kind of uh, um, uh, mental process that, that would be considered extraordinary to, to most of us. Can you say, Ollie? Uh, well, actually, Jed, I think you and I are not on the same page with that. I, I have not. I, I've heard suggestions of that, but I've never seen any validation of those claims. But mm-hmm. I, I guess we have different research. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just been reported with, uh, with some of the adults that I've worked with, and, you know, they've reported it with your children, but it fades over a period of days, you know, a uh, week, week or two at the most. And why that is, uh, who knows. What do you say to these parents? I mean, uh, that, uh, I mean, I can't imagine. It's one thing, you know, to worry about your child uh, getting home, getting to school or getting home from school safely, or, you, you know, you fret, you turn around at, at the shopping mall and you lose sight of your child just for an instant, and of course your heart leaps into your throat. But how do you, how do you, comfort a parent uh, who is fearful that their child is being abducted on a nightly or a weekly or a monthly basis? What, what could you possibly say to them? That's what I do oh, a lot of. I, I speak quite a bit to uh, parents on those lines uh, who do contact our organization. Uh, one of the main things that I, I tell them is uh, that never before in the history of our work have we ever come across a case where a child has been uh, been reported missing and not returned. Um, I mean, there's actual reports of experiences where parents say the child is missing from the home and returned at a later time or another day. So those are extremely scary cases because these people, these parents are beside themselves, you know, not able to protect their children. So trying to reassure them that they're not alone in reporting those experiences, as well as letting them know that we've never before had a case of a missing child. Those two things are about the the best we can offer, unfortunately, other than allowing them uh, an ear to tell tell their concerns and perhaps put them in contact with other uh, uh, parents that claim the same things of their children. Yeah, this is is a very, very difficult point here because... Because where the a child might have been a part of a car accident or or some other trauma event, um, the parent can can pretty much reassure the child that 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 happened and it's in the past. It doesn't mean any time they're going to get in the car 
and go through that same intersection, it's going to happen again. But this phenomenon has its own uniqueness in the fact that this can happen over and over and over again as, as abductees are consistently reported. So the parent has no guarantee that it isn't going to happen to the child again. And, of course, they feel tremendous helplessness in the fact that they cannot prevent this and they cannot do anything about uh, the abductee uh, or, or the children being abducted. All right. Uh, Jed, stay, uh, stay put. Oliver, you stay where you are. We'll come back and continue to discuss mm-hmm. the uh, abduction of children by aliens. Here on The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Sterrett. Don't go away. question arises, what are these UFOs, the ones that pass the test of not being put aside as fireballs and planets? Or what, what, what do they be? And that, of course, is the ultimately important question. Not easy to offer an answer. One can only consider hypotheses, guesses, big ifs in front of all of them. When you look at these various hypotheses, psychological, uh, advanced technology, hoax, fabrication, fraud, poorly understood geophysical phenomena, you run through all of those. This is certainly what I've done in the past year of checking. You find yourself ending up with the seemingly absurd, seemingly improbable hypothesis these things may be coming from somewhere else. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. April 29th to May 3rd of this year, uh, there is going to be what's called a citizen's hearing on UFO disclosure. It's going to be held at the Washington, D.C. National Press Club, again, April 29th to May 3rd, and it's under the direction of Stephen G. Bassett, who's been on the program many times. He's the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group. And uh, uh, Mr. Bassett is expecting some 40 witnesses who will present over 30 hours of testimony to former members of the House of Representatives regarding events and evidence relevant to the extraterrestrial-related phenomena. This citizen's hearing uh, setting will match that of a formal Senate hearing to the extent possible. The proceedings will be uh, streamed live over the Internet. An international film production company will uh, tape the hearings in preparation for a film documentary. Now, in preparation for that citizen's hearing on disclosure in Washington, uh, there's a Canadian group in support of ET disclosure uh, that's going to be hosting an international preview event for the press and the general public here in Toronto. The event will provide an in-depth preview of the citizens' hearing. Uh, a keynote address at the Toronto Preview event will be delivered by the Honorable Paul Hellyer, former Canadian Minister of National uh, National Defence. Uh, and uh, also, uh, Stephen G. Bassett will be making an appearance. Uh, Grant Cameron, Canadian UFO researcher and webmaster uh, for the President's UFO website in Winnipeg, will be uh, involved. And uh, the mediator or the moderator, rather, of this event, will be our very own Victor Vigiani, uh, who joins me uh, frequently on this program. He's the news director at Zeland Communications News Network, co-host from time to time here on The Conspiracy Show. All this uh, uh, taking place Thursday, February the 7th. And if you could, just kindly log on to conspiracyculture.com for more details. Conspiracyculture.com. All right, welcome back. We are speaking with... Uh, Oliver von Kamensky and Jed Turnbull about uh, the alien abduction of children. Uh, pretty difficult to, to contemplate uh, the horror. Uh, what it must be like, not only for the children, of course, to, to, uh, to be going through this, but uh, imagine being a parent 
and not being able to protect your child from this. Um, now, Oliver, Jed, a lot of people probably listening tonight saying this is pretty hard to swallow, pretty hard to believe. I mean, what sort of protocols do you put in place uh, in order to determine that there's no other explanation for what's going on here? For example, how do we know these ch- these children aren't psychologically disturbed or are, aren't having some sort of a, a night terror or aren't suffering from sleep paralysis? Well, our assumption is that it is something other than abduction. That's the last scenario that we select. Um, if everything else cancels out, that's when we look to the abduction phenomenon as a possibility. Um, I have a, a letter here from a woman from Alabama. You know, she was so upset, you know, with the experiences of her daughters. You know, she explains that she's moved from Michigan to Tennessee and now to Alabama. And whatever it is that was bothering her uh, and her children, too many things have happened over the years that she can't explain. And she herself claims that she's a logical, intelligent, skeptical person, but at her wit's end. And hearing the same exact stories from her children, which she had experienced as, as as a young woman, uh, when she was earlier in her age, in her in her childhood and into her adulthood, those things are very compelling when they match up with other stories that sound exactly alike. Can you share maybe some of the details from that story, obviously without revealing names and so forth? But what 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 ha- what's happening with this family from Alabama? How many children were in, involved? Well, this particular woman who had contacted me had two daughters and. Uh, uh, her one eldest daughter had been bothered uh, her entire life and had several have several experiences which she thought were ghost related, um, but she would be very afraid to talk about it, and uh, she was afraid that if she would tell anybody, that people would think that she was crazy, that she was nuts in her own words, and. Uh, the agony of the fear and the pain that the mother saw her daughter going through, especially at bedtime, uh, she remembers it in several different occasions where at first they thought it was nightmares, but the daughter knows the difference between nightmares and what's not, especially now that she's older. And her, you know, she would, she would uh, come running out of the bedroom extremely upset and terrified. Now, does that make it... Uh, does that make it anything but a nightmare? Does it make it anything? Could, it, could there be other explanations? Yes. But repeatedly, if this happens again and again, uh, she's tro- slowly trying to start talk to her daughter, and she's starting to see that things are coming out that are very similar to what we've seen as repeated patterns in the UFO abduction scenario. So, no, we don't know if, yeah. it's, if it's you know if it's that or if it's something else. I think, Ollie, you make a really, really good point that the last stop is, is, is to, you know, determine that this is a, an alien abduction phenomenon. It could be any array of things, but there are, there are things we can do to use as a process of elimination, Richard. Uh, Let me just uh, stop agree. you there. Let me just stop you there, Jed. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, get into some of those, uh, um, the list of things, I guess, that you, do you utilize in order to eliminate some of the more obvious worldly, let's say, uh, explanations for what's going on with these children. 
And we'll do that after this uh, timeout. Oliver Von Kamensky and Jed Turnbull on the line from Manhattan. New York Strange Phenomena Investigators investigating cradle robbers, aliens that abduct children. Stay with us here on The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live... Call 416-360-0740. From time to time, I'll post some, uh, what I consider to be uh, pretty remarkable UFO footage. And I've posted uh, one in particular up on the website, richardserrett.com. If you scroll down on the uh, right-hand side under the uh, In the News section, and you'll see it near, there near the bottom. Amazing UFO footage from a remote fishing village. There is video. Check that out. Uh, richardserrett.com. And uh, while you're there... Uh, say hello on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. Right now, we continue our discussion on the uh, alien abduction of children uh, with uh, Jed Turnbull and Oliver Von Kamensky, who join us on the line from New York City. Uh, Oliver and uh, Jed are members of New York Strange Phenomena Investigators. And uh, we were talking about how you sort of go about eliminating some of the more obvious explanations uh, let's say you're a parent and you're, you're concerned about your child because maybe they're talking about an imaginary friend or maybe, you know, it's not an imaginary friend. It's just, there's some, mommy, there's something at the foot of the bed every night or I'm saying these, I'm seeing these strange lights or what have you. What should a parent ask their children? How should a parent uh, approach this with their child? You, you don't just like- ignore it. No, you don't ignore it, Richard. In, in my experience, uh, the most important thing for a parent to do is, is not really ask anything but to listen and uh, listen very carefully. Obviously, most parents are, in a sense, behind the learning curve of this phenomenon. That's, that's an important aspect of this. They may, they may be listening just all, all well and good, but at the same time, they don't really know uh, what their child Maybe um, reporting, but nonetheless, um, if the parent listens and 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 has uh, some kind of experience with this already and starts to make associations that the, ch- the same thing may be happening to their own children, um, it's it, it's important to discern by by looking for corroborating evidence, or you know, looking for consistency with what their experiences have been and. Uh, looking for uh, an absence of other kind of psychiatric explanation or diagnosis that may account for this. Uh, that's that's one of the things that's pretty consistent uh, with uh, children as well as adults is is uh, the absence of any other psychological or uh, again emotional uh, explanation for what might be happening. Physical changes and marks that affect the body is only experiencers, uh, uh, children as well as adults. You know, there are uh, sometimes, as Ollie pointed out, nosebleeds, cuts, boot marks, bruises, um, patterns of skin lesions that, that are consistent and happen uh, and appear on bodies of more than one abductee at the same time. And so that's another thing, uh, another pattern to kind of look for. Uh, there seems to be an association uh, uh, with the abductee phenomena, with with um, UFO reports, sightings that may come up in the newspaper that same night, that all of a sudden 
a child went missing and was returned, but the parents didn't know what happened. Um, and I think just in and of itself, the very fact that that children as young as two or three years of age are reporting these things with amazing consistency um, lends itself to just credibility in and of itself, especially when you, when again, you know, there's, there seems to be distinctions that, that these weren't just bad dreams or, or in a sense the boogeyman in the closet, that kind of thing, because a, a child may come back with, uh, you know, grass stains between their toes and, they, you know, the, their descriptions are more vivid than they would be in a, in a normal bad dream, that kind of thing. So, so there, these are a few of the things that that parents can look for and and uh, try to use to discern, as we do, um, you know, the, the real truth or the real the ability to narrow down what may be happening to their own children. This may so sound think, like a, a naive uh, a question, um, and I and I, I a certain. Part of me wishes that I remain naive forever, <laughs> uh, but is there anything a parent could do uh, in terms of a child's sleeping arrangement that might that has proven effective in perhaps thwarting an abduction? For example, w- uh, if a ch- if a parent were to sit vigil uh, with a child at night, I mean, could that prevent an abduction? Has that ever been tried? Sitting vigil. We know that our parents have done that. But at times, the parents have either been switched off, so to speak, or have fallen asleep, or have also been taken along based upon their renditions of what may have happened. Um, I guess you had asked a question earlier, um, what's the best way to communicate with your child if your child comes forth with, with these types of allegations of experiences? And I think... Bud Hopkins wrote a very interesting piece upon, on this back in the 90s, and uh, up at the top of the list was that you shouldn't argue against your child's perception of what he or she thinks is real. Judd was absolutely right that you must listen to what they have to say and use language that's similar to the child when discussing a subject and ask questions. For instance, if your child is you know three or four years old, let them describe what happened to you by asking them, can you draw a picture? And uh, what happens if uh, there's a lot of good, well-intentioned parents who who will automatically say, oh, it was just a dream, go back to bed, or on the other, on the other hand of the coin, rather than invalidating what the child says, they might say, they might ask too many questions, underlining what has occurred to them. And, and both approaches are wrong because... Uh, the approach of ignoring the child's uh, uh, secret traumas or what may have happened to them winds up causing the child to uh, lack, uh, become distrustful of the parent, and they can't tell anybody. They can't tell their, not even their parents. They can't tell their sisters. They can't tell their brothers. And then on the other side of the coin, if you ask too many questions, then you are reinforcing the incident and the trauma to them and making it a very large part of their life, which you want to try to minimize. It's very, very true. Uh, that it, 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 You are walking a line here as a parent, and obviously you want what's best for your child. The intentions are always very good and, and very high, of high concern from the parents. Um, but I think Ollie will agree too, that, that in our experience with our amount of research over 
this phenomena for decades now, that there's nothing, to answer your question, Richard, there's nothing a parent or anyone else can do to prevent this from happening if indeed the intent is of these alien beings to take either adult or children or both. There's nothing. Not that we're aware of, at least. That That we're aware of. That's pretty grave news, really, Um, if if you're staring this situation in the face. There's nothing you can do to protect your child uh, from this. No. No, not in our, not in all of our experience. There's never been anything, any successful way of preventing this from ha- from happening um, when the alien's intention is to really um, take you for their for their purposes. And uh, Richard, unfortunately, we'll use the word alien very loosely because mm-hmm. we don't really know exactly what the phenomenon is that's causing this, but. For lack of a better term, we'll say alien. Okay. Yes. Very good point. Thanks, Alan. Right. Right. Yeah. But if you, but if you, as a parent, as far as you know, were not um, abducted, or are not a, a victim of a alien abduction, would you say that you could say with any certainty then that your that your child likely will not be? Well, that's we found the reverse to be intergenerational. We found that there's less of a chance. Uh, if the parents haven't reported that. But there's also times when, when people are not cognizant of their experiences, where people may go through an entire lifetime and only towards the end of their lifetime remember experiences. But as we said earlier, it is an intergenerational um, phenomenon. It seems to be more concentrated amongst families. If, uh, if you've had experiences, your parents probably have, your grandparents probably have, and your children probably will. Do any children report a positive experience? I think, uh, you know, if I could speak to that, Richard, they, they tend to report positive experiences and in, in the sense of their ability to cope. It's a coping mechanism. In fact, they can, be, they can uh, relate that these, uh, uh, that an abductee, I'm sorry, an abduction experience, a uh, was um, met with a very playful character, and they, they can have a playful name for this person as if it's a, or this being as if it was, uh, you know, an imaginary friend. But there are distinctions between that. And so, so I tend to see those as coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms for the child uh, to, you know, to survive, really, as all defense mechanisms are. Is regression... Uh um, recommended for children, or is that something that, I mean, if they have no memory of it, is it best sort of left in the recesses of their minds? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would never take a child into a deeper state of hypnosis uh, just, to, just to find out what, to destroy any defenses that they may have in their ability to cope. Children don't, don't have the ability, once they gain the, that kind of insight and information, to deal with that reality. In fact, just in, in mundane circumstances of everyday life, children, children will, will uh, turn themselves into pretzels, finding ways to blame themselves for difficulties that are going on within their own household. And you, add, you, layer, you layer an abduction phenomenon on top of that, and the child will be ridden with guilt and shame and, and feel like they've just 
wreaking havoc on the household. Finally, absolutely, absolutely not. Final quick question. If you're a parent and you fear that your child is being abducted, are there support groups? Are there I mean, where do, where do they go? There were support groups through the Intruder Foundation. There are support groups through us as well. We try to put people in touch that have had similar experiences. So based upon your geographic area, now with the Internet, things are a little bit easier getting contact with people, but there's nothing like face-to-face contact, you know, which you can possibly do through Skype. Oliver and Jed, thank you so much for this. Uh, New York Strange Phenomena Investigators, I appreciate your time tonight. Well, thanks, thanks for having us. My thanks to Tim Spreen for production. Next week, Sean David Morton. Tried to have him on a couple of weeks ago, but he's here uh, next week for sure, talking Area 51 and the Secret Space Program. Of course, our paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, will make her regular return to the program and much more. Hope you're along for that ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.